Hi, this is Calvin Stengs. Welcome to Nice. You're listening to Le Bourgeois. Smashed into the net by Kylian Mbappe. Depay! And he stretched it! Oh, finds Dembele. The first touch is good. The second is deadly. Neymar still. Oh, my word, what a goal. Golovin. Lovely finish. Must be the opening goal. Benedetto. And by Nyon. Fantastic. Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta. Hello and welcome along to the latest edition of Le Bourgeois as Messi is presented to the PSG fans and Mbappe provides the fireworks on the pitch to help Pochettino's men put Strasbourg to the sword. Champions Lille are crushed 4-0 at home by Christophe Galtier's niece. Angers stun Lyon and Bordeaux come from behind to slow Marseille's momentum. Welcome along to the uh, official Ligan Uber Eats podcast. It's been a, another uh, thrilling weekend of action. More than 60 goals uh, already in just two rounds of Ligan Uber Eats uh, action. That is uh, a record dating back to 1982. Um, well, it has been fantastic, and I'm delighted to welcome alongside me this morning Robbie Thompson. How are you, Rob? Very well, Matthew. How are you going? Big weekend, very big weekend. Ah, uh, yeah, they just uh, the goals are just flying in. Comebacks uh, are plenty. David Cross and you even had uh, a few goals in your commentary. How are you? I've had loads of goals already this season. I've had nine. I- I'm just glad that Rob's still speaking to us now that he's a global star. Oh, yes. guys, no, I don't change. No change, not yet. Anyway, <laughs> you may have you may have caught a, a video of Robbie fist bumping Leo Messi uh, at at the Parc des Princes. One of the highlights, I, I would say, of of Wednesday and uh, Messi's presentation. Um, are you are you okay, Robbie? Have you calmed down from the um, the emotion of it all? It was a great day. It re- it really was. But it was yeah. It was it was a little bit emotional. But look, when you're a professional, you're focused on your work and you're you're just trying to do the best thing you can. You try not to get carried away with the moment. When I look back at my career in a few years' time, it will. I'll I'll think fondly of that day. But look, I'm already onto the onto the next match or the next signing. Absolutely. Maybe it's not finished yet, is it? What was your first? What, what was your first thought, Robbie, when when Leo uh, um, scuttled along uh, the Parc des Princes pitch and, and and came up to you? Isn't he small? Or um, <laughs> was thinking what, how what did you think? I, I, I honestly was thinking. Now, if I speak slowly and clearly, will he understand me in English? Because my Spanish is is seriously non-existent, even though I I can understand a bit after ten years with PSG, but. But I can't speak very much at all. Only the very classics, very difficult match, three points, the most important. Happy. Yeah, I don't think if you asked him for Dos Cerveza, he was going to come up with the goods. So <laughs> that, was, that was lucky. But I think, I, I think when you have a, 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 a player of this level, they've, they've had so many interviews, they, you, they just need to pick up a couple of words in your question and, and they, they're going to know more or less what, yeah. what you're about and what to say anyway. So, no, look, it was, it was good. I just tried, honestly, I was just enjoying the moment. It was, he was a really nice guy. Um, he comes across for, from, you know, when you, you say actually that, Robbie, him. you say that about honestly, every genuine, PSG signing. But he, he have, was have, really have PSG like ever a genuine bought someone who's, who, who's not a nice guy? In there were books. others, Matt, that were not so nice and certainly <laughs> not, not so natural and calm and, and, and cool. I'm not going to tell you who they were, but uh, honestly, he seemed like a, like a good guy, down to earth, cool and, and just ready to go, looking forward to playing football. 
Well, we're going to hear from somebody who knows Messi very well, Guillaume Balaguet, uh, a little bit uh, later on. But without any further ado, I think we should get a bit of action. I was lucky enough to be at the Parc des Princes on uh, on Saturday night for what was a big party, really. We had the five uh, new signings unveiled. They were all paraded onto the pitch with with fireworks. And and then after the uh, celebrations, we had a a game of football. Paris Saint-Germain against Strasbourg. Here's what happened. Diallo's cross is a testing one. It's a very good one and it's nodded home by Mauro Icardi. Just over two minutes on the clock and Paris Saint-Germain in the lead already. By Mbappe, only half cleared initially. The ball back now with Kylian Mbappe. Mbappe shot on for the Frenchman, it's deflected. It's 2 0 to Paris Saint Germain. And Kylian Mbappe with his first goal this season, if indeed the goal is credited to him. Mbappe again in the box. This time he crosses and it's three. Two goals in the space of a minute for PSG. Julian Draxler at the far post. And uh, they are making very light work of Strasbourg. Thomason's cross to Gamero. Well, Kevin Gamero has scored on his return to the Parc des Princes. And he has his first goal in his second spell at Strasbourg. Cross from Lienau, the header from Ajol! It's a stunning goal from Ludovic Ajol! And the comeback is on here at the Parc des Princes. Remarkable from Strasbourg. 3-0 down at half-time, they look dead and buried, but they are right back in the contest now. What a header from Ajol! Mbappe, blistering run again from Mbappe, and that is that Paris Saint-Germain have surely now sealed the three points. Pablo Sarabia turning home from close range. That goal, all about Kylian Mbappe though. Absolutely fantastic wing play from the France striker. So it was, um, yeah, a a goal-filled evening. Um, PSG had it pretty easy really in the in the first half without having that many chances uh, it was it was a bit of a strange first half because every chance ended up in the back of the net 3-0 to PSG and then i think you know Strasbourg did come out with uh, more positive intentions uh, in in the second half i think there was certainly a, a degree of PSG taking their their foot off the gas as well um but at 3-2 uh, at 3-2 it was looking it was looking a bit edgy for Pochettino's team and what i would say anybody who likes a good header of the football three of the goals were just brilliant headers Icardi and then uh, for Strasbourg Gamero and Ajorc i mean Ajorc's header was absolutely breathtaking i thought but uh, yeah in the end 4-2 that brilliant run from Mbappe to set up Sarabia and uh, and Robbie i don't think there's any question PSG uh, deserved the the points in the end i do want to ask you Rob though because in the commentary, I was a bit confused about the the first goal. Icardi looked way offside. Um, what, I mean, it was one of those. There, there was no light, I guess, between him and the defender. But he was clearly goal side of of the defender. I know that the VAR rules have changed. We've got thicker lines now, but but they um, I don't know if you've seen really. I don't they? know if you've seen replays. Rob. I, I actually haven't seen. I was up the other end of the the field. And I just saw, I th- it looked like he was hanging in the air for, for a long time. I agree with you that it was a fantastic header. I agree that Gamero and Ajorc were also fantastic headers. It was really a, a lesson in headering. And I also agree with you, Matt, that I think it was a bit of a strange match. I didn't, 
get the feeling. I thought Paris dominated. I agree with you that they probably deserved it on on points and that the first half was a strange one because they, they had the ball, but they didn't create much. There were a couple of, like Draxler's goal was from a, a, a big deflection, which sort of opened that up for him. And yeah, there were three chances, three goals, but I don't think Strasbourg, who would have come to, to defend necessarily, they could have felt a little hard done by. Otherwise, very, very entertaining. Interestingly, Killian was on the receiving end of a little bit of of jeering from the, the PSG fans. I assume that's because he hasn't signed a new contract yet and uh, the fans want him to want him to show his loyalty again and uh and and sign on for a, a new campaign but he certainly showed on the pitch that that he's just electric and his his setup of Sarabia's fourth goal as you say which really put the game to bed after he'd he'd missed a couple of chances and Strasbourg were coming back into the game and and uh and if they I think they had a great chance to equalize as well but after Killian had missed a couple but uh he redeemed himself and and I thought he had a a really excellent game and yeah, Paris deserved it, but still not not yet. Paris Saint Germain in top gear. Dave, what did you make of the uh, the boos? There were definitely some boos. It was when his name was announced before kickoff. Um, during the game, the, the the fans were behind him, and you know he played he played very well. But can you understand those? You know the reaction of the fans. No, to be honest, uh, I, I know he cost all that money, uh, 180 million euros. But if you want him to stay, and I'm sure Paris Saint Germain fans do want him to stay, you're not going to help your cause by booing him are you um it was good to see him with a smile on his face and playing so well in the game uh he's under a lot of pressure now after what Nasser al Khalifi said saying that there are no excuses for Kylian Mbappe not to sign a contract extension now that they've signed Lionel Messi and all those other top players this summer um it's something that's going to run and run a little bit longer I think because he's not going to be rushed into a decision we know that he's a firm-minded and he's got a, a career plan. Um, I hope he stays around. Uh, we'll see. I can understand, Robbie. I can understand the fans' reaction. And uh, just what you were saying, Dave, I mean, you say it's not going to kind of make him, him him want to stay. It may also make him realise that it's not going to be a particularly comfortable situation. Do you know what I mean? If he, if he stays until the well, end of his contract. Well, these things change quickly, don't they? When Neymar wanted to join Barcelona a couple of years ago, he didn't get the, the greatest reception when he first came back, but then he scored that amazing goal against Strasbourg and quite quickly everything was put behind him. So if Mbappe does sign the contract, they'll all be back on side. Yeah, Neymar did have to go through a little bit of a redemption period though, didn't he? And, he, and his his communication towards the, the supporters of PSG and his, his outward demeanour towards the club also changed after that Barcelona episode. I think he was a lot more pro PSG and and that above all I think is what the what the fans the fans really appreciated it's a I mean we've seen it in the past haven't we players that don't want to don't want to sign Paris Saint-Germain well it's also a bit rich considering all the players that Paris Saint-Germain have signed out of contract this summer yeah exactly well but Paris Saint-Germain have been on the receiving end in the past and paid a lot of money for for players and also had players leave so but yeah that's the way of modern football perhaps it's a everyone understanding a little a translation question and and I with all respect to Nasser El Khalifi of course but do you think he meant to use the word excuses or that the way it's been come out or more I I I had the feeling reason, it was more probably. like yes yeah. exactly like he's got now there's no reason for him not to sign I think and and 
because of all the new players, because Messi's there. And if he wants to win the Champions League, surely this is the best squad in Europe now on paper, this, this Paris Saint-Germain squad, at least going forward. It's, it's just simply breathtaking. And I, I got the feeling that what NASA was trying to say was there's, there's no reason why he, why he shouldn't sign now. Excuses got picked up, obviously, because that's the word he used. But uh, it was although a he is harsh. he is he is a fluent English speaker, natural for life. He's yeah, not yeah, a false true. friend, isn't it's, it? Excuse, excuse, yeah. and excuse is kind of the same thing. But um, Robbie, I just want to bring in uh, Guillaume Balaguet, who uh, is uh, the biographer of Lionel Messi and uh, knows him well. He was interviewing Messi at the at the Parc des Princes uh, last week. Robbie had a had a chat with Guillaume about about all things Leo Messi, what it means for the player, what it means for Paris Saint-Germain. You can hear uh, the full chat with uh, Guillaume on our, um, on our platform, Le Bourge. You can find us on, uh, on all of the, the usual uh, podcast uh, platforms, be it Spotify, Google, Apple, uh, Deezer, Le Bourge, or official League 1 podcast. You will find us and you can hear this interview with Messi. Let's just uh, listen to an extract uh, from it. Uh, and notably, Guillaume talking about the the impact that Maurizio Pochettino could have on his compatriot. One thing that Pochettino does very well is to get to get the best of players. Uh, he gets into the heart of the players, the head and the heart. And this is a player that, uh, as you can see, emotionally related to his family, to the people that works with him. What you get, it's uh, you just have to bring the young Messi, the kid in him. Well, yeah, interesting stuff from from Guillaume. You can listen to that to that whole chat on uh, on Le Bourge's webpage. But uh, Robbie, uh, I just want to ask you: um, Well, when when are we going to see him? When are we going to see Leo Messi? PSG's next game is on Friday against Brest. Any chance? Look, I don't know. I I would be very skeptical that we'll see him so soon. Can you imagine if you you rush him back and and he gets injured and that would just be a I mean it could happen. It could happen no matter when he comes back, but but I don't think they'll take any risks. Not this early in the season, not with not with so much at stake. We know the Champions League is coming in in just a month's time as well. I suspect they will give Lionel Messi and Sergio Ramos uh, and Gigio Donnarumma, Marco Verratti, Neymar, Dima, Paredes, Marquinhos, those guys that played in finals in continental competitions or arrived late, the very longest period possible to be 100%. I just don't, it's not worth it in this, in this early season. Um, there's an international break coming up in two weeks' time, and I suspect at the Parc des Princes against promoted Clermont, league leaders, Clermont, um, that... Uh, we could see him there, and that will be a very, very big moment just a few days before the Champions League begins. Yeah, who needs Leo Messi when you've got Mohamed Bayo, the Clermont striker who has uh, three goals? He hit a double um, against Trois at, at the weekend. He was top goal scorer in Ligue 2 with 22 goals last season. Clermont fighting to hold on to him, but you know, I don't think it's just him. I think Clermont are a good, well-drilled team, and uh, along with Paris Saint-Germain, they have six points um, from from two games. It, it's been much tougher for many of uh, the other title contenders. Um, I'm not putting Claremont into the category of title contenders. I was referring more to PSG, but uh, the champions are struggling. They drew 3-3 uh, with Mets in their opening game and had a tough second game at home against a Nice side, of course, managed these days by Lille's title-winning coach Christophe Galtier. Uh, Armel Tangi. 
commentated the action from the Stade Pierre Morois. Through the legs of Timothy Weyer, still going Guiri. And well saved by Jardim, it's Toddy Bow now. And another great save, but it's turned in by Kasper Dolberg. 56 seconds into his return to Liga, the Danish number nine has his first of the campaign. What a start from Nice. That's a wonderful touch from Guiri, the ball just got stuck under his foot afterwards. Celik taking risks, Budawi with the strike. And that's five minutes on the clock. And Nice are two up. Their top scorer from last season with 12 goals. Chance to get off the mark in the current campaign for Amin Guiri, the Lyon Academy product. Against Leo Jardim, and Guiri finds the bottom corner perfectly. And Lille, the champions of France, trail by three goals to nil inside the opening half. Guiri towards Dante. Dolberg with a header. And Nice make it four. This is turning into an absolute rout. And Christophe Gautier's men in charge here at the stand, Pierre Marois. Well, what an astonishing result. Uh, nice running out 4-0 victors. They got off to an absolutely flying start, didn't they, uh, Dave? And it's it's interesting to see uh, Galtier's setup here at Nice going very much with the sort of 4-4-2 that worked so well at Lille. And Dolberg and Guiri playing together in attack. And, you know, they were, they were just too hot to handle for Lille. Yeah, it's a different role for Guiri this year. Last year, he was playing more on the left in a 4-3-3, cutting in, undoubtedly Nice's player of the year. And Galtier's challenging him to play this new role with Dolberg, who was back in the starting lineup and on the score sheet. And well, I, I suspected that Galtier going to Nice would be the thing that would take Les Eglon to the next level. We've been waiting for them for quite a while now since the Ineos takeover and Patrick Vieira couldn't quite get them to the level that they want to be at. Um, yeah, and Galtier knows Lille inside out, but it's incredible to think that that Lille defence that only conceded seven goals in their last 12 league games under Galtier last year have now conceded seven goals in two games. And it's the same back four. That's not changed. The only change has been Mike Mignon, who was so important to that success, leaving for AC Milan with Leo Jardim coming in. It would have been worse than 4-0 if Jardim hadn't made some very good saves. Um but they're all over the place at the moment. Celic, Font, Botman and Reynaldo. There was a bit of a tittering when uh, when I uh, predicted Casper Dolberg to finish the season as top scorer. A couple of goals <laughs> for Casper uh, at the weekend. But Rob, it's, it's, it's a nightmare scenario for Jocelyn Gorvanek, isn't it? Uh, Galtier got a, a huge reception, as you would expect. There were, there were banners saying, thank you, thank you, Christoph, from, from relegation to, to the title or relegation contenders to the title. Um, it must have been tough for for Gorvanek. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he had it was a a big day. To, he had everything to win and a whole lot to lose as well. And uh, he's come off very much second best. Christoph Galtier had had less to lose traveling there with this side. Yeah, look, Galtier obviously knows them. He knows them very well. I think it's amazing because I thought Nice looked a bit average in the opening day, and that this was going to take some time for Galtier to to make his mark there as well but uh perhaps Casper Dolberg returning was the was the key that changed everything Matt it's I mean I, I I pleaded for a bit of leniency for Gorvenik and for Lille last week 
He's not going to get too much, though, is he? Olivier Leton is also a, a, a president that is not afraid to make changes when, when changes need to be made. Um, I'm not saying that, that Jocelyn Gourvenec is going to be sacked after a month of the season, but the pressure will be, will be mounting on this Lille side, absolutely. And, and I agree with Dave that, that it's completely strange that the defence has conceded seven goals in, in two games after just being the key to their success last season but I don't think it's something we can level only at the back four and I, I think you've got to look at the the whole squad the whole team has to defend you know Yazici in the middle of the park is something a little bit different does he have the same work rate as a Sumare or a Cheka uh, helping the defending there does Timothy Weyer have the same the same defensive capabilities as a, a Renato Sanchez playing in one of those wide roles but but yeah they're conceding goals and it's 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 not a good look at the moment. But Nice aren't conceding goals. And as well as Galtier, you've got to talk about Dante. So I, I thought Dante getting injured was what ruined Nice's season. He's back. We wondered whether he could get fully fit again at his advanced age. But uh, captaining the side, helping Jean-Claire Toddy both through proceedings and one of Nice's better players again. And they've kept two clean sheets in two games under Galtier, who has transferred that defensive organisation and strength that he put into place at Lille to Nice seamlessly. And also, Dave, four new signings, is it, in that starting eleven on the on the weekend? Rosario, the the Dutchman Lemina, in the Clyver, middle of the park. Lemi- exactly. So that's you know, that's a lot of changes. So for the, to get that sort of result so quickly is is very impressive. Hats off, Christophe Galtier. Yeah, I, I was down in Nice on on Wednesday. I got to chat to Jean Claire Todibo and Calvin Stengs, who's uh, another new signing. Uh, just Who working also his way back good. from injury. Yeah, he he could he could make his Ligue 1 Uber, Ligue 1 Uber Eats bow uh, this weekend. He told me quite a funny story actually. I'll probably get it wrong, but he's he's kind of distantly related to to Justin Cliver. His his half brother has a brother um, <laughs> whose cousin is Justin. I I don't know, but he can't wait to sort of play with Justin on uh, Justin Cliver on on the left, Stengs on the right. We saw Budawi playing on the right, scored a goal, did did well. But I do, yeah, Calvin Stengs seems like a really nice guy, as as Robbie would say. Um, but um, yeah, I, I think an exciting talent as well. What was interesting, actually, after the training session, uh, Christophe Galtier was deep in conversation for a long time, probably half an hour, with Julian Fournier and also Bob Ratcliffe, who is effectively the man who oversees the day-to-day runnings of the club, the brother of the uh, millionaire uh, owner Jim Ratcliffe and um, I think you're yeah, understanding you his sense. financial power I'm going billionaire Matt billionaire yeah the <laughs> richest man in in, in the UK um, but uh, yeah there's a there's a seriousness about about the project there's a lot of talk that they're still trying to get one or two players in um, before before the end of the window so Nice definitely definitely a and team to, also, to keep also, your eyes on Matt, they've got Hassan Kamara on the on the bench, he doesn't start at left back, and he was one of our players of the season uh, a, a couple of years back at at left back when he was at Reims. He's a good player. Kefren Turam, I think, has a has a big future as well. They've got players that aren't playing. Uh, Badawi is he going to have a place when Stengs returns? I mean, they've got they've got options on the bench as well. Maulida is a talented player. Martin Bulka, the reserve goalkeeper, I think, has a a big future as well. So they're I think, I think they're solid. Yeah, Gautier, Gautier wants experience, doesn't he? That's that's what he sort of said. We've brought in five players, but they're but they're all pretty young. Um, and you know, he feels that apart from Dante, you know, there's suggestions that that Schneiderland will will be moved on. So yeah, 
I, th- I think they are they are going to try and get get one or two in and try and get a bit more, bit more experience in. So, um, yeah, great great to see Nice on on the up. Uh, time for a, for our deja vu. I think um, it's uh, yeah it's 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 been it's been enough football talk. Let's talk conundrums <laughs> now, and uh, uh, I'll bring you the answer to last week's deja vu, which was a tough one. This was the clue. A versatile defender who made his name in Serie A. I then spent three sa- seasons in Ligue 1 and I was coached by Laszlo Bologna and Ricardo. I played with Leo Messi, Gabi Heinzer and Juan Pablo, Pablo Sorin during my career. I also played in Germany, Croatia and Mexico, as well as my native country. Uh, the answer, I found this very tough. The answer, Leandro Cufre, um, the Argentine, if I'm not mistaken. But, you know, our listeners are good. They're very, very good. We got a lot of correct answers. So well done to Habib Barr, James Cathy, James Wascombe, Frenchie from Evera, um, <laughs> not from Detroit anymore, he's from Evera, uh, Artan Mortici, Gonzalo Tobar, Hunter McGoffey, Kev Sherwood, who was gutted to have missed the first Deja Who because he had to, uh, to move house. So uh, bad luck, Kev, but uh, you're back in the game. Uh, Adam Cyrilnik, who wrote in very late in the day, Adam was watching Marseille-Bordeaux when he suddenly got the answer and, and wrote in. So thank you very much. Um, don't forget our email address, everybody, league1podcast at gmail.com. You can also use the hashtag. We'll pick up your answers um, using the hashtag Le Bourgeois on Twitter. Now, Ian Holyman, our producer, is working really hard to try and catch you out. And I think he's come up with a tough one this week. So here we go. Time for Deja Hoop. I started my pro career at the same club as Zinedine Zidane and Patrick Vieira, but Brittany is where my career really took off. I had a solid spell in the Netherlands before that went up a blind alley, and then a very successful stint in Spain where I won two UEFA Cups. I didn't hit the net nearly as often as my older brother. There you go. That's your lot. Um... If you think you know the answer, you can email us league1podcast at gmail.com or use the hashtag Le Bourgeois on Twitter. Back to the weekend's action. We had uh, a lot of a lot of goals and a lot of upsets. And one of the biggest, if not the biggest, came at the Stade Raymond Copper in Angers, where David Crossan commentated Angers versus Lyon. Tabou. The low ball. Oh, just needs turning in. And it is turned in by Sofiane Bouffal. Angers 1, Lyon 0. And that goal had been coming. Bouffal asking a lot of Cho. Oh, it could be an own goal. It is an own goal. That's a shocker for Lyon. And Angers double their lead. It's Marcelo's own goal. Poking the ball past Lopez. You have to say, Angers deserved to be two up. Marcelo could have been sent off in the first half. He's having a shocking afternoon, much like his team, and he's now scored an own goal. Another chance here. Unai, this time, it is in the back of the net. Well, he just hit the post, and now the player signed from Avranche, stepping up from the third tier, has netted on his league and debut. Remarkable scenes at Stade Raymond Copper. Well, Dave, uh, Leon absolutely turned over there by by Angers, and by all accounts, the the, the home side, you know, very much the better team and entertaining as well. 
coached by Gérald Baticle, who spent 10 years as an assistant coach at Lyon under five different coaches. Like Galtier at Lille, he knew the opposition inside out. But I'm so impressed with what he's done at Angers because you look at Buffal, Fulgini and Cho on paper and you think there's no natural centre forward there. But their mobility is excellent. They're all technically superb. Uh, and you could see how much they were enjoying their football. And it was a delight to watch, a delight for all of the Angers supporters at Stade Raymond Copper. And, and they pulled Lyon apart. Lyon simply couldn't cope. And evidence of that, not only in the scoreline, but in the number of cards they picked up. And Marcelo, I saw he only got one out of 10 in L'Equipe today. Uh, he should have been sent off in the first half because it was an attentat, uh, a, a terrorist attack on Mohamed Ali Cho, the 17-year-old who played for England at under-16s level, France at under-17s level. He was the outstanding player of the game, in my view. Marcelo should have walked in the first half. I can't believe Clement Turpin didn't send him off. And and you know that usually I'm, I'm on the lenient side with big challenges, but Marcelo had to go for that. Maxwell Cornet ended up going in the second half, uh, a second yellow card also for a foul on Cho. They couldn't live with Cho's pace and ambition. Uh, he kept running in behind. Uh, they were totally pulled apart. And Peter Bosch, well, it's all going a bit Silvino for him, although Silvino actually started well and Matt was tipping Leon for the league before it he all put, came He put apart. six past Angers, didn't he, uh, he Silvino? Did, yeah. That yeah. was in those two games <laughs> at the beginning. But Dave, tell me, just tell me more about Mohamed Ali Cho because you know I'd heard a little bit about him last year. He played a few sub-appearances, yeah, uh, I, mean, I think. He was at Paris Saint-Germain as a child, then moved to Everton. I think he had five years at Everton. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then Angers signed him. He played 329 minutes in Ligue 1 last year without getting a goal. Uh, he was very close to his first Ligue 1 goal on a couple of occasions. Uh, on Sunday, Anthony Lopez kept out what looked like a cross to me. It was a bit like that Laborde one from Montpellier against Marseille the previous week, but still a great save. And he hit a great volley as well, did show that uh, Lopez clawed away. That goal is going to come. Uh, he's also... I really hope he does get protection from referees because the way he runs with the ball, the way he knocks it past players, he, he is going to come in for some bad tackles. Uh, he's a precious talent and a future superstar. I agree entirely, Dave. I, I, was, I was present for his first ever start with the first team, which was in a cup match last season, freezing cold in Angers, in the snow, against Rennes. They won 2-1 and he was instrumental in that, in his first ever start. And I think he was still a 16-year-old, if memory serves me correctly, or only just 17. But he is, a, he is a real talent. I agree. But that front three has some talent, huh? Fulgini and Buffal, and by all accounts, uh, Unai, who came on, has a, has a little bit of talent uh, there to burn as well. Yeah, Unai, but, he, he hit yeah. the post just after coming on, and then a minute later he scored. And he's made the step up from the third tier. He was playing with Avranche, and... Some Angers fans, I said they play without natural centre-forward. And after Bauerkin had scored off the bench against his former club Strasbourg in the opening match day win, they were saying, hey, why isn't Bauerkin starting? Watch Sunday's display against Lyon. You'll understand completely why Bauerkin doesn't start. Great option to have up your sleeve if you need him. God, I, I agree I, with I Matt. Just, sorry, very quickly, Matt, about the, the coach and Baticle. It's incredible because I was I was preparing their... their you know, the obituary for Angers at the end of last season. When you look at the ageing squad, I mean, and yet here they are, those same guys, those veterans in, in defence and in midfield who are, who are somehow turning it around at the start of the season. Well, it's that's very, the other, very impressive. That's the other thing for Lyon, isn't it? That uh, 
the front three that Lyon had last year, Depay, Kadawiri, Tokue Kambi, you'd really have fancied them against uh, Monso, Traore and Toma, all of whom uh, way past the, the wrong side of yeah. 30. Uh, Dembele and Slimani don't get in behind. And that left Tokue Kambi, the former Angers star, with too much to try to do on his own. Um, Peter Bosch, I, I saw his quote saying they have to do more with the ball. They, they did nothing. They, they had more possession than Angers, but did absolutely nothing with it. Pretty worrying for, for Lyon. They, they drew with Brest in, in the opening game. 3-0 now at, uh, at Angers. I mean, Peter Bosch, like you, know, like you say, Silvino came under pressure after about a month. Um, it could, you know, the pressure could be mounting very quickly on, on, on Peter Bosch. I, I, I want to just give, not necessarily credit to Stefan Moulin, but, you know, I'm I'm such a big Mulan fan, and it's you know it's maybe a case of him leaving the house in in, in pretty good order when he left after ten years. Yes. And I do remember I, I remember him saying to uh, to Armel Tangi, who interviewed him at the end of last season, he said that was that Muhammad Ali show or Cho uh, was his parting gift to to Andre. They so are I'm playing sure a completely was... different style now, though uh, a much more pleasing yeah. on the eye style. Uh, j- just one last word on Leon. Uh, Damien De Silva coming back from suspension and Denier from injury can't come soon enough. They need to get that spine of the team sorted. Absolutely. Well, and Stefan um, Moulin is doing okay at Caen, where he's moved uh, just a little bit up to the coast. And they're, uh, I think they're, they're, they're two wins and a loss so far in the second division in his no new job. No surprise there. No surprise yeah. there. I'm sure Moulin will be fine and uh, we might see Caen back in the, in the top tier soon. Um, our fourth... And final feature game from from the weekend. Um, we're going to be, I think, we're going to be featuring Marseille a lot more this season because uh, their games are entertaining and they are Olympique de Marseille, of course. And the Stade Velodrome was absolutely rocking on Sunday night. Marseille against Bordeaux, two big rivals. Andy Scott brings us the action. Oh, it's kept in. It's turned back to Chingizunda, who slams it into the net. It's a second goal in as many games for him and Marseille are in front. The velodrome erupts. 50,000 fans celebrating. Payet. Payet coming inside and Payet scoring. He finds a corner beyond the dive of Benoit Costille. A fabulous Dimitri Payet goal. Timothy Pembele, the latest new arrival. On the ball now, Pembele shot, has gone in. He's only been on the field for barely six minutes and he scored a goal with the help of a big deflection to get Bordeaux back into this and he enjoyed it. Here at the Velodrome, the PSG Loney. It's going to come to Udan, it's well struck by Remy Udan, it's in, it's the equaliser. Goodness me. Not a turnaround that you could have seen happening when the second half got underway. Marseille appeared to be in total control, but Bordeaux have come back and are now on level terms. So Marseille uh, throwing it away, really, 2-0 up at uh, at half-time, and then it all went wrong. And, uh, you know, we talked about Marseille last week and how they are going to ship goals, they are going to going to drop points and uh, maybe that is just a, a price that their fans are going to have to pay this season um all the same dave it's uh you know it's it, it's two points dropped isn't it from that position it is I, I as you said in your intro though in a way it cancels out the heroics of the previous week uh, at least uh, once again um 
Sampaoli is bringing exciting football to Marseille and to Ligue 1. And Ligue 1 has taken a really positive turn at the start of this season. Long may it continue. I, I'm not going to be the one to say that, that defences need to tighten up and that wingers need to start tracking back a bit more. Though, Conrad De La Fuente probably does need to help out Luan Perez a little bit. Uh, De La Fuente, I, I love watching him go forward. The De La Fuente-Under combination again for the opening goal. Payet continuing his great form. But you can get at Marseille down the flanks. And that's what Bordeaux managed to do after they brought on the blow knee from Paris Saint-Germain, Timothy Pembele, the teenager who represented France in their doomed Olympics campaign. And Pembele got the first Bordeaux goal. Udan got the second. And Bordeaux left with a point under their new coach, Petkovic. Pembele had a fantastic chance in the 93rd minute as well. And you can, just as the final whistle peeled through the, the velodrome, you just see Pembele with his head, head in his hands thinking, I, I had it, I could have done it then. Because uh, by that stage, Marseille were down to 10 men as well. I think it's, it's, it's interesting. They're, I think Marseille, it's almost they need everything to just be going crazy and all around them and noise and... And, and fury and, and colour and, and then they're unstoppable. And we've always, we've always said it, that it's a great place to be when things are going well and not such a great place to be when things are going badly. But I think we're seeing it distilled into individual matches now. And I think that there's going to be something in this for opposition teams. If you can just keep, clamp them down long enough to get rid of a little bit of that, that folly, as the, the, the French would say, that craziness, if you can take the sting out of the game, then it becomes very dangerous for them. They thought, they thought I think, a little bit that it was done at 2-0 up at half-time, and they calmed down, they lost that little bit of craziness, that energy, and Bordeaux made them pay. And I think you worry, don't you, about the, uh, the defence. I think um, a lot is riding on Luan Perez, who's had a very sort of iffy start to, to life in Liga. Leo Ballardi had his critics last season. Marseille decided to spend a um, significant amount of money. I think it was close to 10 million euros in the end uh, that they negotiated with, with Dortmund to sign him. He was, he was sent off. And like I say, he's, he's, um, he's been under the microscope a bit. Some of the fans don't fancy him, but Sampaoli likes the fact that he's, that he's good on the ball. But, you know, Saliba do, doing okay, had some, some wobbly moments towards the end last night. But, uh, yeah, that back three is a bit of a concern. Alvaro Gonzalez still on the bench. He did come on last night. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's one factor. And the other thing is everybody's just waiting for Milik to come back because they you know, they don't have a centre forward. And they lined up again with Dimitri Payet playing the, the false nine. And it's, it's just far from ideal, isn't it? So, um, you know, if Marseille can get Milik back, they need Luan Perez to sort of find his feet in, in Liga Uber Eats. And then, you know, they might they might be a force to be reckoned with. Absolutely, nine goals in two Marseille games in this league and season as well. And this one, a bit of a a, a reversing a, a reverse of what happened the week before when they were two 0 down against Montpellier and managed to get that three two win. It was almost a complete mirror image last night. Yeah, Marseille not for the uh, faint hearted supporters this season, uh, that's for sure. Um, Robbie, a quick word about Monaco. You commentated them on uh, on Friday night. It's uh, it's it's difficult for a lot of the title contenders. I mean, we've talked about Lille, we've talked about Lyon. They're they're, they're both struggling. Monaco uh, could only draw their opening game, and then they lost away to Lorient. Uh, Terra Moffi, the Nigerian striker, scoring the only goal of the contest. Um, they've From got the a penalty big, spot. Yeah, 
from the Penalty. Big Champions League playoff starting on Tuesday night against Shakhtar Donetsk. Um, it, you know, it's a difficult August for for Niko Kovac. It is. I think they they realised that was gonna that was gonna be the case. I thought they they looked uh, they didn't struggle against Nantes um, in the one one. I, I commentated their opening game of the season as well, but they didn't create much. It was the same case again here, but they've been scoring freely in Europe at the so far anyway in their two matches um, against Sparta Prague. They won that 5-1 on aggregate to set up this playoff against Shakhtar Donetsk and I think they definitely had one eye on this. They know how important it is. They, they have to put all their eggs in the basket. Niko Kovac made plenty of changes as well. Um, so look, Monaco have, have their eyes on the bigger prize at the moment and they're going to drop a few points by the wayside at the in this month of August before they're into the hopefully the Champions League group stage. But fair play to Lorient. I mean they did it without the ball. They had less than they must have had thirty five percent possession in the in the game, perhaps a, a shade more. They had one real chance that came their way. It was from the penalty spot. Terra Moffi uh put it away last season's top scorer for them. Um the biggest danger for Monaco was their central defender, uh Strahinja Pavlovic, who the Serbian who only really started because Badiashil and and Maripan uh, were were rested, so he had a couple of great headers, great great chances that Paul Nardi dealt with. You know, Lorient, it was it was tough, but they were buoyed on by their home supporters, and they got a, a fantastic result for them. But Monaco still controlled the ball; they still they just lacked that little bit going forward. But I think that's honestly because they're 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 eyeing off something bigger at the moment. Yeah, I think. Uh Rob, Niko Kovac must be cursing either Manchester United or former PSG coach Unai Emery because if United had beaten Villarreal in yeah. uh, the Europa League final, then Monaco wouldn't have had to have come through the qualifying rounds and it's totally conditioning their start of the season. And uh, and he can say those things in the press conference about treating all competitions equally, but it's plainly not the case in this month of August. And I totally understand that because you can recover from a, a shaky start in league and though you don't want to fall too far behind if you go out of the Champions League that's definitive and and they are desperate to be back in that competition yeah they've got the eight games in story. August sorry man yeah. Yeah. I'm no, always no. up for a good moral no, I was going to say the moral of that story don't rely on Man United for anything but come on Rob let's, let's, let's <laughs> I was just going to say they've got eight matches in August and and you know in Europe and league and compared to everybody else uh, so you know it's not easy for them and Ever since I tipped Monaco for the league title, they've conceded five points to Paris Saint-Germain and Paris Saint-Germain have bought Leo Messi. So I'm not <laughs> saying that I've changed my mind. But signed Leo Messi. Didn't pay anything. Yeah, signed Leo <laughs> Messi. You know, one or two downs are creeping free, in, into my mind. <laughs> so, yeah, anyway. So basically, you don't want Matt Spiro to tip you for the title because I went for Marseille last year. <laughs> and Monaco are heading the same way this year. Um, other other results, uh, Nantes getting a, a good win, 2-0 at home against Mets. They were a team that a lot a lot of people thought would struggle this season. They might struggle, but their front three is looking good. Colomwani and, uh, and Blas both scored. Uh, Moses Simon played very well too. Um, Brest won, Ren won. It all happened in the uh, in the dying minutes. Gerasi scoring for, for Ren on 84, but uh, Le Duaron got uh, a leveller. More great uh, headers, sit- Matt. As well, mm. this yeah. is the place for headers. And Ludovic Blas, his goal was a header as well. Incredibly, great run. yeah, great yeah. late yeah. run Fantastic into the box. Header. 
Good news, good news. Because since Cavani left, I've I've been no, I, like, well, I voted as your goal of the week. Well, I think you know if you haven't seen the Ludovic Azure goal, check it out. Check it out on the uh, League Guns official YouTube page. I was kind of in line with uh, with the trajectory of uh, of his header, and it was he was close to the edge of the box. It wasn't quite Basil Bolly uh, against PSG, but it but it wasn't but it wasn't far off. Brilliant bullet header past Kaylor Navas. Uh, rounds three, Montpellier three. How many of those goals were headers, guys? <laughs> Let me just check yeah. very quickly. We had two Not... two two for Casama, <laughs> uh, two goals. That is. yeah, they weren't one headers. For, for, no, no one headers. For Montpellier's goals, Coza, uh, Delors, and Laborde. They weren't headers either. There was a back here by the board. Yep, yep. Barry, and, uh, Barry. How, how about your, your man Cabal, who came on, the youngster, scored a fantastic goal, hit the post in the last couple of minutes as well. We, we talk about it and the, the catch cry for Ligue 1 is League of Talents, but already in the opening two games of the season, yeah. we've seen some incredibly exciting kids coming yeah, through. And they're Cabal, getting a bit chance. of a late developer as well. He's, he's 23, had a, a decent season at Dunkirk. In the yep, exactly, last year, yeah. he's come back to the club. Yeah, he could have had a hat trick in that game. And Oscar Garcia says he wants Rans to play like Barcelona. Where's the most exciting team at the moment? Montpellier have been involved in 11 goals yeah, in the first true. two games. That's the Dalolio we all loved at Brest, isn't it? Arguably, arguably, guys, the best atmosphere. Uh, uh, Robbie might disagree with this, but oh, you, best... Matt, were at the Parc des Princes on, on Saturday. The atmosphere was incredible. Yeah, but arguably, Robbie, the best atmosphere <laughs> at the weekend was in Lens. But well, we can argue. <laughs> <laughs> For the first home Ligue 1 Uber Eats game with supporters in, in 10 years at the Stade Félix Bollet. Um, because, also because last time Lens were in the top flight, they, uh, they couldn't play in their home stadium. And uh, yeah, they are unbelievable supporters. I'm not saying they're better or worse than well, PSG supporters, Robbie. might be having a word with you as well, Matt. Yeah, true, true. No, there, there, there were plenty of good atmospheres. But I do have a very uh, soft spot for, for Lens. Um, big fan of the Les Sons et Or and their, their, their following. But anyway, they drew 2-2 with, uh, with Saint-Etienne. It was a very exciting game, actually. Seco Fofana equalising for Lens quite late on and then Lens laying siege on the Saint-Etienne goal. Etienne Green making a couple of saves in, in, in added time to ensure that Saint-Etienne remain unbeaten. Two draws for them, but... Uh, yeah, I think uh, you know a fair point in the end, and uh, another really good, really good game. It's been it's been fun, hasn't it so far? Fantastic! Can't take your eyes Fantastic. off it. Fantastic! Long may it yeah, continue. Well, <laughs> long may it continue. Let's have let's have a look at uh, next weekend's fixtures to see what we have um, coming up. We're going to go on a on a bon voyage. Before we do, just a, a quick reminder that you're listening to Le Bourgeois, the official Ligue 1 Uber Eats podcast. We do welcome all of your feedback, league1podcast at gmail.com. If you have any questions or any comments or if we've said anything silly that that, that you want to correct or, or that you don't agree with, do let us know, particularly if it's Dave uh, who, who, who said it. Um, rate us on Spotify, Deezer, Apple, Google, whichever platform you're on, or you can go through all the platforms rating us because we, you know, we love we love to uh, to get that sort of feedback, even if it's a bad rating. But I'm sure it won't be. So, bon voyage time, guys. Let's have a a, a look ahead to next weekend. So, the big games, Friday night, Brest against Paris Saint-Germain. Will Messi make his Ligue 1 Uber Eats bow at the Stade Francis Leblay? That would be quite 
quite the spectacle, wouldn't it? Um, other big matches, Monaco against Lens uh, on Saturday, followed by Saint-Étienne against Lille. The Sunday night clash is a southern derby between Nice and uh, and Marseille. And uh, a tricky one for Lyon again. Lyon at home against Clermont. Clermont, who are uh, flying at the moment. Two wins from two. Uh, I'll throw it to you, David Crossan. Which which game, any of the 10, which would you like to take in? I'm going to pick the one that you wanted to pick. So I'm going to say Nice-Marseille. I, I want to see if Galtier can inspire Nice to their third clean sheet in a row. That's going to be tricky against the Marseille side who carry a real threat. Uh, I think it's going to be a, another fantastic Sunday night watch featuring OM. Uh, I'm going to back Nice for that one, though. Yeah, that's it. Uh, that's a good one. Really good game on on paper, and uh, hopefully the Alliance Riviera will will be full um, for various reasons. It wasn't uh, in, in in the opening game. That should be a cracking game. Robbie, what about yourself? I'm just thinking four years ago when when Neymar Junior made his debut for for Paris Saint Germain. It was the Stade de Rudaru, and the the eyes of the world were on this tiny little stadium in in Gengon to to see his debut. It would be. Uh, Hilarious if 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 Lionel Messi took the world's footballing media to the Stade Francis Leblay, so I'm going to be there as well. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, I might I might have a weekend in in Brittany. I'll get there early. Um, I'm sure Robbie, you can help me get into the Stade Francis Leblay on, on Friday no night. No problem. Um, and uh, the weather's pretty good at the moment, so I'll have a couple of couple of days on the beach, and then the big one, the big Western France derby, Rennes against Nantes. Um, I'm not sure why I want to go to... No, no, I, I am sure why. No, it's a, yeah, it's, it's, a passionate one. Yeah, no, yeah. it's a passionate one. No, I was just thinking the two teams don't... I mean, they've both had... They've, had, they've both had okay starts. Ren have drawn both their games, haven't they? Nantes have, mm. got, have got four points. So, I mean, yeah, I suppose it is, it's It's a big game for Ren. They need to start winning. And, uh, yeah, yeah, should be should be fun. Good atmosphere at Roseland Park, I'm sure. That is it, guys. That concludes uh, the action for, for this week. I do hope um, our listeners have enjoyed it. Um, do spread the word if, if you're enjoying the podcast. Tell your friends about it. Get on Twitter and uh, and, and, and talk about us. Uh, and thank you. Thank you for your for your loyalty and your support from, uh, from myself, Matt Spiro, from David Cross and Robbie Thompson. It's time to say goodbye. And we'll be back again next week. All the very best. Au revoir. Ciao, ciao. Bye-bye. Sensational.